0: Let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 12. And let me tell you what we'll be doing the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Next week, we're going to come back to 1 John. We will finish that book up. And then uh, the week after that, I will be uh, answering uh, what is the most important question. The most important question. So, Exodus chapter 12. As you're able, let's stand for the reading of God's word. Beginning with verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs. For yourselves, according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, will you help us now in these moments as we, as we first feed on your word by your spirit and then as we eat at your table. So will you prepare our hearts in these moments? Will you teach us not things but teach us of you? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Now most of us, uh, if we were uh, blessed in our homes, grew up eating three meals a day. Uh, Some of you eat less than that. Some of you eat more than that. But three meals a day is is typical of uh, what we tend to think of 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 being healthy and nourished today we 're going to talk about three meals three meals in succession down through history that God has given to us so first let's uh, let 's take a look at the first supper I just read to you from uh, Exodus chapter 12, what, what I'm calling the first supper is what most people call uh, the last supper when Jesus instituted it. But if it was the last of, of anything, it should be called the last Passover or the first supper. Supper. Let me explain, as we just read. Passover was, was instituted uh, when God's people were in captivity in Egypt. After nine plagues on Egypt that did not free the people of Israel, God told his people to do one more thing. And here's. What I want you to do. Go into your home, take the Passover lamb, the perfect lamb as it was described, and slaughter it. Put some blood on uh, the doorposts of your house, consume the lamb and the other food that was prescribed, all of which had meaning, all of which foreshadowed that which was to come. And wait. Don't go outside, just wait. That night, the the angel of death took all of the firstborn in Egypt, except in the homes Where that blood was on the doorpost. It marked them. It protected them. The angel passed over uh, those homes and they were protected by the blood. And God's people were to celebrate, to worship to thank him for that, and not just to do it once, but to keep doing it. Keep on doing this. Even when you get to the promised land, keep on doing this. Because you need to remember about God's deliverance. All of this was foreshadowing a better deliverance that was to come. So Jesus and his disciples were celebrating the Passover meal. And that's when he instituted what we call the Lord's Supper. So why didn't they keep then, why didn't they keep on uh, celebrating Passover after that? Why don't we celebrate Passover instead of this well paul says in 1 corinthians 5:7 for christ our passover lamb has been sacrificed it's been it's been done we're not going to resacrifice the passover lamb Because everything uh, that we read about in Exodus, uh, all of that which Passover pointed toward was fulfilled in Jesus on the cross. So Jesus instituted another supper. It took the place of Passover. So let's talk about it. I want to call it today the in-between meal. Now, I'm not saying that in any way to diminish the importance of this meal. Not one bit. But rather to highlight that it is between that first supper that Jesus instituted and another meal that's coming. So in terms of the in-between meal typically when we have the Lord's Supper uh, one of our pastors reads from 1 Corinthians 11 and I'm not going to read it all at once but we're going to go through that section of scripture to see what's described for this the in-between meal. First of all um, God gave us sensible signs. Now, I wouldn't have picked that word, but our confession of faith uses that word. And it doesn't mean uh, signs that make sense. It means he gave us for our sacraments, for baptism in the Lord's Supper, he gave us signs that we can experience with one or more of our Our senses. So with baptism, we can feel the water. We can see the water. We can see what's going on. With the Lord's Supper, we can smell, we can feel, we can taste, and we can look and and see what's represented here. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So what God is doing here is he's, he's presenting a spiritual truth in a very physical way because we're physical people. It's a sign, uh, the Lord's Supper, that can be used virtually anywhere in the world at any time. All cultures have, have some form of bread, some form of the fruit of the vine. Because of the nature of it, even if there's a shortage, you don't need a great deal of it in order to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now someone may say, well, yeah, well, how, how come you don't use uh, a real wine? Well, because fermentation is not the point. It's not that we are opposed to fermentation. But we choose to use unfermented Uh, Wine out of deference to those who may have a weakness in that area. And I can tell you, I've actually known those who stayed away from church in churches where they used fermented wine because they were afraid for that to go in front of them. So we don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody. And since fermentation is not the point, uh, we choose to use um, wine uh, without alcohol. It's the same reason we use uh, gluten-free bread. We don't want want anyone uh, to not be able to take, if possible. There's a second thing about this in-between meal, and that is that... That Paul says it helps us remember verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 11. And when he, was, he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Remember. Remember what? Well, because of this, we are to remember his dying. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The bread, the wine, body, and blood. The point is, not just that he died, because everyone dies. That's not the point of remembering this. It's not just a memorial service, though that's part of it. But to die for someone else is different. Romans 5, verse 7, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ dies for us. That's what we're to remember. It wasn't because we were so good that he died for us, we were his enemies when he died. For us, and then a little theology, we, we call it the the vicarious substitutionary atonement. The point is that that we deserve to die and he didn't. He willingly laid down his life for his people in our place. Now why could he? Because he didn't deserve to die during the passing of the elements. Uh, Sometimes we read from Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray. The Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. That's what we proclaim. That's what we remember. And then we also proclaim it. Verse 26 For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It is a a proclamation of the gospel itself. Not just remembering the death, but proclaiming what his death means. That's what we're proclaiming here. Not just a memorial service. It's saying that, that the death of Jesus had real meaning for us. And not just for now, although it does have meaning for us now. But, excuse me, for all eternity. That's what we proclaim. So when we pass the bread and wine, we're saying, uh, let's remember what he's done for us. Proclamation of, of the nature of what we see here. Now how should it be done? Well, all together. We do it with one another. That's the point of proclaiming. You're proclaiming to one another and to our world. That's why we don't do private communion. That's why when I read my Bible in, in the morning, I don't take communion because the very nature of communion is we do it as the body of Christ. That's why we don't, uh, at, at weddings here, give communion just to the bride and groom while, while everybody else is watching. It's not a private thing. It is the body of Christ proclaiming one to another. That's why we proclaim it. And then, further, this meal, it should give us an anticipation. Verse 26, till he comes. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Again, that's why we say it's not just a a memorial uh, service for someone who died. (laughs) It's pointing toward the one who died but then who rose from the grave and who's coming back. That's the anticipation. So it's not just looking back. It's looking at what's going on now and it's looking forward to that which is to come. The marriage supper of the Lamb. At that table we'll we'll eat with him and with one another in celebration the other thing this in between meal does for us in this life as we we still struggle with sin, all believers still struggle with sin if you think you don't you're, you're just not being honest with yourself but we do and This table, at least for me, and I hope for you as well, it tends to to make us look deeper at our spiritual life. We have preparation. We have a time of examination. And I tend to look deeper when I know that that I'm about to, to take of this supper because... Because he gives this warning, verse 27, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So it, it, it drives us to repentance and to even a deeper repentance Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have that deep repentance at all times. We should at all times because God absolutely knows our heart. But we do have the reminder that we need to be worthy in Christ, not worthy in ourselves, worthy in Christ. And and what that means is, is repentance. Repentance, which is turning from sin toward Christ if you just turn from sin something else will take up that gap that you've gotten rid of the sin something else will fill that that's why real repentance is turning from that sin toward Christ with the endeavor that we won't turn back now you might but you ought not to say yeah I'll be back But instead, you say, Christ, fill me so that that's not even attractive anymore. And this table is is such a good place to recommit in that way. So, who then is worthy to take communion? Verse 29 For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. There's that serious warning. But the purpose is not to keep everyone away from the Lord's Supper. It's to protect those who should not be taking it, either if you're not a believer or if you're still loving that sin so much that that you're not willing to turn from it toward Christ. If either of those things are the case, that's what the warning is for. And God graciously says, don't call down judgment on yourself by being in that situation. Stipulate that no one is worthy to take in our own righteousness. We can't be good enough. So even the invitation to the supper is purely by grace. Grace. We don't deserve to be invited here. But he invites his children. The children of the living God. So there is another meal that I alluded to earlier. And in your outline I've called it the best meal. It's not the first one. It's not the in-between as glorious as this is. But it is the best. We read in uh, when Jesus instituted the supper, we read in Mark fourteen twenty-five. he says, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day. He's pointing to a day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now, what did he mean by that? Well, I have in my ministry had the joy of doing many weddings. i got a couple more to go. But when it comes to weddings, it is uh, very typical in our country to have a rehearsal beforehand. Following most rehearsals, there is a rehearsal dinner. And that dinner is, everybody does it differently, but often people will, will reminisce. They'll, they'll talk about the growing up of the bride and groom and show embarrassing pictures and things like that. And, and it's usually just a very warm time, usually a great meal I've been to some of the best restaurants I've ever been to because I happen to be uh, doing a wedding. And it's usually just a, a really good time. But here's the thing. It's a great time because it's anticipating the wedding. It's anticipating something else. It's not just because of the rehearsal. That's not the point, the point would not be oh what a great rehearsal dinner okay well we'll see you in a couple of years or whatever it's pointing to the next day that meal is to pr- prepare us for the real thing and that's what the lord's supper is to be for us there's more to this Supper than nourishment. It's just a little piece of bread. It's just a, a, a little bit of the wine. Not enough to fill, not enough to quench. It's an appetizer. But it's an appetizer for the great meal that is to come. How wrong would it be with a great meal before us to say i'm satisfied with this appetizer but instead we're to have anticipation there's a great reunion meal one with with the father with our brother jesus as our host, and with all believers who have gone before us, and all believers from every country in this world, will be at that meal. May we rejoice in this meal, but look forward to the great supper, Listen, listen to how it's described in Revelation 19. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's you. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life, That's you. Let's bow together. Lord, even as we take in these moments, will you help us by your Holy Spirit to look deep into our hearts? Will you help us to remember what you've done for us? And rejoice in that and proclaim that to one another and to those who are looking on. And will you give us an anticipation of that which is to come. The great supper. Will you grow us in these moments we pray in Jesus name. Amen.